1. Romans chapter 1 this morning. I was telling the Sunday school class the irony of every four years we have to have a, a boiler inspection. And so they came Friday and they inspected the boiler and got the bill in the mail, the email right away, you know, the big bill for the, the boiler and all that. And Sunday morning, we got no heat in the boiler. <laughs> And they just passed us and said, what a great boiler we had. <laughs> That's the irony, but amen. It'll go along perfectly with the message this morning, if you have a sense of humor. Well, once you find Romans chapter 1, I'll have you stand. Romans chapter 1. Read a little bit of scripture and try to give you what's on my heart this morning. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse number 18. Bible says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use, that which is against nature. And likewise... Also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their heir, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Don't you love how that's slapped in there with all that other stuff? <laughs> without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Lord, help us this morning. That passage that is before us, I believe the Lord has some great practical things He wants to show us out of this passage, and I think you'll understand it the more we get into it. Brother Bean, would you ask the Lord's help in the preaching this morning? 
Now before us this morning in the scriptures, we have the, what you would consider the authentic, uh, the authentic history of mankind. You and I just read the history of man. The history of lost man. I think that would probably be easier to understand that negative junction in scripture. That is the authentic history of mankind. In verse 21, when man was presented with God, he doesn't glorify God. He's not thankful to God, and he's not thankful for God. And by consequence, the Lord shuts the light off at man's request. As a matter of fact, the Bible says their foolish heart was darkened. If you ever wonder why our nation is many times in darkness, is because our nation and mankind in general has just said, Lord, please shut the lights off. So he's being a gentleman, not a Calvinist. He's a gentleman and he shuts the lights off because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. In verse 22, the smart man professes, the smarter man professes to be smart, the more foolish he becomes. I think you and I can see that practically played out. The smarter man gets, the more policy he puts into place, and the safer he thinks he's becoming, the more foolish he becomes in the sight of God. In verse 23, man then takes the glory that belongs to God and he chains it, attaching it to animals, birds, and beasts. Now to the point which you know and you've seen in now at least two generations where several animals have taken precedent over human life. So again, by consequence, God gives man up, first of all, to uncleanness in verse number 24. In verse 26, it's a pattern of de-evolution. In verse 26, God gives man up then to vile affections. And in verse 28, you see that God gives men over to a reprobate mind to do those things, the Bible says, which are not convenient. A man doesn't wake up one day and decide to be a reprobate. It is a process in which the Lord gives him over at his own request. The end result is verse 32, that those which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. There is your positive history lesson for the morning. Let's go to the house and eat donuts, right? That's your positive history lesson, and no matter how you look at it, our history is always going the wrong way. Especially in this country, in this world, things are getting worse. Whether you are willing to admit that or not, it's a provable fact, and one that you and I have to learn to reckon with and to deal with as a Christian. Now, following history to its source, we find the root of decay. It comes from two things. Number one, a rejection of Jesus Christ, ultimately. And number two, in the passage, in verse 21, an inability to be thankful. And here we are at that time of year again that this country calls Thanksgiving. George Washington issued a proclamation. I wasn't here. I'm reading history now. I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> present at that time. George Washington issued a proclamation for a national day of Thanksgiving on Thursday, November 26, 1789. I know you all just in love with these dates. I'm a history guy, but whatever. 
Abraham Lincoln also issued a proclamation for a National Day of Thanksgiving in 1863, almost 100 years later. But uh, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, he made a proclamation for Thanksgiving, moving this day to the second to the last Thursday of November. Well, and since Congress and the President can never get along, they, Congress decided to fix the date as the last Thursday in November in 1941, but the Senate had to be the boss and amended it to the fourth Thursday in November. Aren't you glad you know all that? So now we have a federally mandated holiday that was fixed December 26, 1941. Now just because Congress named a holiday and people get paid uh, in the federal government does of course not create a nation of thankful people throughout the year. Amen? I'm not here to ruin your Thanksgiving traditions. Uh, I like this time of year. I do. I like the idea of getting with some of my family. <laughs> There's a little clarifier there. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> but here the history of the Bible is clear. Lost men are not thankful and therefore darkness sets in, blindness sets in, wickedness sets in, wretchedness sets in, and vileness sets in. But as a Christian, on the other hand, we should be thankful. We should be thankful. You say, why? Well, it goes without saying, but a Christian has the light of life living inside of him. Amen? Christian, you, uh, you have a home awaiting you in heaven. It beats the one you got. You have the promise of a new body. Uh, and if you're saved here today, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, which the Bible says is the fullness of the Godhead. That is, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, and that is the fullness of the Godhead, which is the very presence of the Trinity living inside of you. So this morning I would like to preach just a short while on full Christians or the trouble that Christians have with being thankful. I submit to you this morning that many Christians struggle to be thankful because they're just full of other things. If you look at the word thankful, it just simply means full of thanks. I know that's real deep. Sorry, that's, that's, that's the deep as we get this morning. Full of thanks and full of the giving of thanks. I would say this morning just to try to get you to think this morning about being thankful and think about the trouble. Because if you're honest, we have trouble with being thankful. And uh, it doesn't make sense sometimes. Because we have been so blessed. I mean, nationally we've been blessed. Spiritually we've been blessed. Uh, okay, so maybe your lot in life at this moment you don't consider blessed. But as a Christian, we do have so many good things to be thankful for. But it just seems like it's not enough to be able to generate the excitement around the good, is it? There's something waning. There's something waxing. There's something missing. But yet you're saved. I submit to you this morning that the difficulty that some Christians struggle to be thankful is because, number one, Christians are full of problems. Full of problems. Look at Philippians chapter 4. A more topical approach this morning as we look at this thing. And we, I try to set the tone. Hopefully the Lord can get a hold of your heart today, if he already hasn't this morning, in your time with him, to help you truly think about being full 
of thanks. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, that verse Paul begins off, he says, be careful for nothing. Now Paul's not saying, look, be reckless and be crazy and go nuts. And He's just saying, that what that's talking about is you don't be full of care for anything. Can I just say this real simply this morning? It is difficult to be full of thanks when you're full of care. It is difficult to be full of thanks when so many times we're just full of cares. I would say the remedy for being full of care is to be full of prayer. Verse 6, the Bible says, But in everything by, there it is, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So what should fill my life? Should care? No, be careful for nothing. But prayer should fill my life. Well, not only should prayer fill my life, but supplications with thanksgiving. You know supplication is right. No, preacher, what is supplication? That's just supplies. You need a certain amount of supplies to live. You need gas in the tank. <laughs> you need gas if you have natural gas or propane to heat your house, or you need wood in the bunker, <laughs> right? That's supplies. You need to be full of prayer. You need to be full of supplications, Lord, and pray that you would provide the need that I have before me. Give us this day our daily bread. That's supplications. But notice those supplications are with thanksgiving. Notice that if to be full of prayer denounces to be full of care, and it replaces it with being thankful. Many times you can't be thankful because you're careful. Real simple this morning, not, nothing deep, dark, or theological, just, just hopefully just something profound. Notice this in verse 6, I should be making my request known unto God is where my cares are to be given. You ever stop and think about all the cares that you just hang on to and put in your pocket? I mean, some of you, I mean, you're, this is northern Michigan. You have to be tough to live in northern Michigan. You really do. I don't care. Uh, you know, I know tough is relative. And no, we're not in Alaska. We're not the mountain men. But to live down south, sorry, brother, probably not as difficult, right? But if you're going to live in northern Michigan, you have to be of a certain mindset. You're entering a time once the beauty of the leaves are gone, everything's going to fall off the trees, and it's going to be barren for six months. And some of you are going to suffer, I'm going to say it, seasonal depression. Well, I don't believe that. I don't give a rip what you believe. I'm preaching my turn, amen. You get your church, you preach whatever you want. <laughs> some of you are going to suffer it. And some of you are going to have to go in the middle of winter because you're going to get sick and you have to get a shot of D3 or whatever it is. Or you're going to have to take some vitamins or supplements, Right? You're like, oh, it's so terrible. I want to I move to North Carolina. And they're in North Carolina going, man, one continuous season. What a drag. Summer all the time. Or Florida, anyways. <laughs> I talked to uh, some of my friends in Florida, and they're like, it's just the same season year-round. But see, here in, in, in Michigan, you get the beauty of the seasons. You get beautiful spring with the mud, and then the green. And boy, I love it when it gets green, don't you? I remember going through Mississippi there uh, about 96 when I graduated college, and, man, it was just right in bloom, and it was just so green, like just make your eyeballs pop out. I love it when it's green, and then, then the warm weather comes in, and then, and then the summer sets in, and then the lazy, long days. And then all of a sudden fall gets in the beauty of fall, you know, and then all of a sudden the trees are changing here, and the leaves are changing, and then they start to fall, and then it's, then it's a drag. 
But you ever stop and think how many cares you actually try to hang on to? You know, God gave you an avenue. The avenue for cares are prayers. And you can't be thankful sometimes because you're hanging on to everything. And I'll tell you, in the Christian life, you, you can't, it, it don't pay to be a tough person. It don't pay to be a tough guy. Amen? But I know you've got to be tough to live in northern Michigan, but it don't pay to be tough as a Christian. Uh, you got cares, you got to give them to the Lord. But you should be making your requests known unto God. Can I tell you, the remedy is for care is that those cares belong upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, a very familiar verse. Hopefully we can tie some of these things together and uh, strengthen you for this week. Help maybe jumpstart your thinking in the right mindset. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7, the Bible says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. You ever just stop and realize how much the Lord cares about you? I know you think you don't. I know you think your family doesn't have to. Nobody cares about me, right? You're, you know, you're picking up all the loose ends. You're doing the extra work. You're working the overtime. Nobody cares about The Lord cares about you. And the reason why you struggle with being thankful and still having that gnawing void and gnawing feeling inside is because you're full of care. You can't be full of thanks. You can't be truly thankful because we often are so careful. And he says, be careful for nothing, but you should cast your care upon him, for he careth for you. Notice here in 1 Peter chapter 5, the interesting thing, if we're going to cast our cares upon him, right? If we're going to use that avenue of cares with our prayers, notice in verse 6, it takes humility. Maybe another piece of light shed on the problem that the difficulty in being thankful, we can't be thankful because we're often too much careful and the reason we're careful is because it really requires humility to go to the Lord. You ever stop and wonder why you'll stop praying before you'll stop reading your Bible? I've often thought about that over the years, why it is I'll stop praying but I'll keep reading my Bible. And one preacher said the reason you stop praying before you stop reading your Bible is because your Bible is physical and you can see it. But it requires humility and it requires faith for you to go to the Lord in prayer. You can't see Him and you're talking. And you know what the devil's doing many times? He's planning those cares and he's trying to say, hey, he ain't listening. You really think you should go to him in prayer? You really think he's going to listen to you after you said what you said, after you did what you did, after you lived how you lived? You see what I mean? And you carry them cares around. It requires humility. It requires getting low. It requires faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, find grace to help in time. Of need. Some of you remember you got grandkids or remember when the kids were young? When they needed something and you was in your room, you know what they did? They just came right in. Don't matter how many times you told them to knock, they just kicked the door open and come in. Mom, Dad, I'm here. Pay attention to me. <laughs> you know, that's the concept. As a child of God, we should come boldly before the throne of grace, not because we're entitled, but because we need help. <coughs> and we need to find grace to help in time of need. Look, if you're here today, I know this, you need help. 
We should come boldly before the throne of grace. It takes humility. It takes faith to come boldly before the throne of grace. Many times we can't be thankful this time of year because we're so careful with everything. We're carrying all these things around. And you know what? We just need to take those cares, turn them into prayers, and cast them before the Lord. Trying to help you this morning, trying to see uh, where you're at with Thanksgiving here. The remedy for care is that they belong to the Lord Jesus. And not only it requires humility, it requires faith, but notice in Philippians 4, 7, we were just there, it relinquishes peace. When you take that avenue and you take your cares and you cast them upon the Lord in the form of prayers, you know what it does? It brings peace. Like, it just feels better. You ever uh, ever, uh, been a long while without praying? And all of a sudden you get down to business, you're like, man, I, I could quit messing around with it, and I gotta start praying again. And you pray, and you're like, how in the world did I live so long without praying? How did I go a week without praying? How did I go two weeks? How did I go a month without being serious in my prayer life? The way I feel right now, I don't feel I could go another day without praying. It relinquishes peace. The Bible says, Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me say this, when we ignore the remedy, our cares trouble us and they rob us of earthly joys. When we ignore the remedy, our cares trouble us and rob us of earthly joys. Look at Luke chapter 10 just for a moment. This thing about hard to be thankful because we're so careful. Hard to be thankful because we're careful. And when we ignore the remedy... Our cares end up troubling us and rob us of earthly joys. Luke chapter 10, verse 41, has to do with Martha and Mary. You know the story very well. The Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. You know, Martha, she's in the kitchen hollering at her sister, not doing it the way she should. And her sister is out there sitting at the feet of Jesus. But I want you to notice it causes us to choose inferior things like service over sitting. Service over sitting. For whatever reason inside of man, it always seems to be, for the most part, there's an exception, of course, that someone will prove the rule with. It's easier to serve than it is to sit. Have you ever just stopped and considered that? Because when you're in the midst of service, you're in the midst of working, it's almost like you put your conscience to sleep sometimes. It's easier to serve than it is to sit, but sometimes you just need to sit. You just need to sit, what? So you can get what the Lord wants you to get. There's no, you say, well, I'm just a pew sitter. Praise God for you. That's a, that's a great Christian, a pew sitter. Somewhere between 1950 and 2023, somewhere the church has now become something it was never intended to be. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, feed the flock of God, which is among you. The purpose for the church is not to grow great programs. The purpose of the church is not to have great ministries. The purpose of the church is to feed the flock. And you have to sit to get fed. You know how I have to, you know what I have to do to study? I have to sit. You know what I hate more than anything else? Sitting. I'd rather be out and back cutting wood. True story. And so would some of you. Not cutting wood, of course. But you'd rather be busy doing something. But sometimes we choose the inferior things when we're troubled, when we're all careful with things like service over sitting. And notice it creates loss in the Christian life, loss of joy. Martha's all worked up, wasn't she? Loss of peace. She thought everyone should be doing what she was doing. And loss of fellowship. 
Mary's out there sitting at the feet of Jesus. Boy, she's having a time with the Lord. She ain't saying a word, and Martha's just out of fellowship. She's out of fellowship with her sister Mary. She's out of fellowship with Jesus Christ. And now she's got a problem with both her sister and the Lord. Well, Christians are not today not only full of problems, but notice over, look at Revelation chapter 3. I'll give you just two more. Two more things to think about this morning as we go into this week. I want to try to stir up your pure mind here. Christians today are not only full of problems, but in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, I want you to notice that Christians have a hard time being thankful because they're full of possessions. Full of possessions. Now listen, I'm not going to preach that you shouldn't have what you have, but the question is, is whatever you got, does the Lord want you to have it? Revelation chapter 3, look at verse 17. The Bible says, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. All right, so by every stretch of the imagination, in 2023, Christians are rich in the sense of being increased with goods. Everyone has a junk drawer. Everyone has a room in their house full of junk or a closet, or a garage, or several buildings. We are increased with goods. I like people who can just say, let's just throw it out. Most of y'all can't. You've got to save that rolling pin because you're never going to use it. But one day you just might, you know. you never be able to find it again. But we're full of possessions. I don't know if you ever just stop and think about how possessions really have a hold on Christians. I'm really not here to preach on covetousness. We'll let the Holy Spirit do what it wants to do. But we're so full of care. We're careful. We're so full of problems. And now we're full of possessions. That is who we are. That is Laodicea. We have everything and then some. And the backup plan. And a backup for the backup. You ever stop and think that the more you get, the less you really think you need? It's a mindset. All right. Let's look at it. Christians today are rich. That's verse 17. Christians today are increased with goods. That's verse 17. And by proxy and by consequence, in verse 16, rich Christians and Christians that are increased with goods or possessions, they don't need anything. You know why we can't be thankful? Because we're full of possessions. And because we have so much, we don't think we need what we actually need. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. The deceitfulness of riches, you know what it does in Mark chapter 4, 19? It makes us think that what we own defines us. Like, I drive a Ford. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I drive a Chevy. Well, we'll pray for you. <laughs> I drive a Do Right? But your life does not consist of the things which you possess. And many times you can't be thankful because you're full of problems and you're full of possessions. And the more you get, not only the more you want, but then the more you don't think you need. That's Laodicea. I am rich. I am increased with goods. And the statement, the epitaph for our church period is, I have need of nothing. At least I'm not a murderer. <laughs> at least I'm not an adult. You see what I mean? That's what we do. We look at things around us and go, well, at least I didn't leave my wife. <laughs> okay. <laughs> at 
Day's not over yet. <laughs> I have need of nothing. And so that what happens. Christians today, Christians live their life many times. They don't think they need anything. Come to the church house. Not a condescending remark of you're here today, you took time to be here. But how many actually came here and before you came here said, you know what, Lord, I need something to draw closer to you. You say, I didn't do that. You see what I mean? It's Laodicea. I'm trying to help you identify where we're at. You have to learn to recognize where you live. If you live in northern Michigan, you're going to have to find a heating source for the winter. If you live in Laodicea, you're going to have to realize that many times you will think you don't need anything. So the way to correct that is to say, I'm a very needy individual. <laughs> And Lord, I have great needs that only you can fill. Well, Christians, they are not only full of problems, they're full of possessions. How about this one? I think you can relate. Christians today struggle with being thankful because everything in life to them is painful. They're full of pain. Not like being a pain, although they might be, but you know what I'm saying, that they have a lot of pain in their life. Look over at Job chapter 33 with me just for a minute. Problems. Possessions and pain. About the three main things I could think of this week that were the trouble with most Christians. Pain. Job 33, 19, the Bible says, He is chastened also with pain upon his bed and the multitude of his bones with strong pain. Now Christians, a lot of you deal with pain on a regular basis. Some of you deal with physical pain every day. And the older you get, the more pain becomes a reality. And some of you deal with mental pain, mental grief, mental anguish, mental struggle, emotional struggle, emotional pain. But pain is real. And it's hard to be thankful when things in life are painful. Why? Because we're full of those things. Christians are often full of things that seem to be outside of the grasp. Can I tell you this this morning? Sometimes pain will come from chastening. I remember, you know, I, remember I was young when I didn't skip, the, skip to my loo. Um, I, patriotic family, I saw the stars, amen? <laughs> it was chastening. It was uh, time to go to the woodshed and not to stack wood. Amen. That was a term that was used back then. Should be used more now too, amen? We have not progressed. We've not gotten better, amen? We've gotten worse. Uh, the federal school system right now says the children are not the problem. It's your and my personal development which is the problem. That's what they tell you. What a bunch of baloney. fact of the matter is, every child, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. I'm just saying this morning, many times you and I struggle with being thankful because of all the pain that we're trying to deal with. Full of pain. Emotional pain, spiritual pain. Bible says in Psalms chapter 73, 14 to 16, For all the day long have I been plagued. This is David talking. And chastened every morning. You ever live your Christian life like that? And just you would swear, although you're not going to swear because you shouldn't swear, but you would swear that the Lord is just wearing you out. And sometimes you're just getting it. Now if you had a mommy and daddy that loved you, you understand what it's like to be chastened, right? I wonder if you never got uh, in trouble as a child and you were always told that the parents were the problem or the teachers were the problem, how do you know when God's chastening you? 
Let me tell you what, when I was in trouble with the old man, I knew it. And he let me know who was boss, and he leveled with me. And when that got done, it yielded, as the Bible says in Hebrews, the peaceable fruit. <laughs> you know, and there's that still in the house. And I was a perfect angel again for at least one more day. But sometimes your pain comes when God's chastening you. We should endure chasing. We should hold up to it, amen? You ever stop and think about how you, some Christians, you, 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 you get after them and they just fall apart. I preach some things. I preach some things. I, I preached a message from my eight years back called "Wine, Women, and Wealth," and that thing was so hot. I probably never preach it again. That thing was so hot they were leaving. They were walking out, going into the fellowship hall, and then coming back in five minutes later and sitting back down. You say, "Why? It's too much. Too much." I said, "Did you know anything? I didn't know nothing. I was an idiot. I was just preaching what I believe God wanted me to preach." And they get up and they leave and they come back in. Why? Chastening. I'm not that smart. I don't know what you need. But sometimes your pain comes from chastening. How about this one? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 27. We're coming to a close. Just a couple of thoughts on being thankful this morning. Pain comes from God's choosing. You ever just stop and think about that? You ever stop and think that sometimes it's not God whooping on you? It's just God chose you? You ever play tag as a kid? And you get up to the person and you go this. You're it. In God's appointment book, he comes up to you sometime. You know what he says? You're it. And we're like, ah! But sometimes pain comes from God's choosing. Paul says here in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven: in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. You say, why did you read that? Because Paul was fulfilling the will of God for his life to do exactly what God wanted him to, and he was in painfulness often. It's not just chastening. Sometimes it's just God's own choosing. And sometimes you are dealing with pain and going through pain because God chose you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, Our afflictions are appointed thereunto. Sometimes God says, you're it. And you're like, why me? It's like it's in my appointment book. And here we're going to get with family here. Well, let's go around the table and tell everybody why we're thankful. And you're like, oh. all the pain in my life. And you're like, I'm thankful for Jesus. <laughs> and you're just breaking up inside. And you're hurting. And you're struggling and you're mad, and you're angry. You're just bitter. Why? Pain. You didn't ask for it. Not chasing, just God's own choosing. It's hard to be thankful when life is often painful. I was thinking about being thankful, and I got to thinking that the trouble is never giving thanks when God is good. I'm thankful for the King James Bible, amen? I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my family. That's a good thing. I'm thankful that I haven't missed any meals. That's a good thing. The trouble is never to give thanks when God is good, when he blesses you, and when you gain. The trouble this morning is the ability to give thanks in loss. The trouble is thanking God when we lose 
Only then can we be thankful or full of thanks. It's no big deal to thank God when He's good to us. It's no big deal to thank God when we win. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, two verses that are probably the worst verses in the entire Bible, in my opinion. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. Does that mean in it, preacher? Yeah, when you're in it. Right? When you're in pain. Thank you. In everything. In the loss, when you're losing, thank you, Lord. In everything, give thanks. When you lose, when you're hurting, when you got problems, when you're, when you're going through the problems, in everything. And then when it's past, Ephesians 5.20 comes around and taps you on the shoulder. And it says this, giving thanks always for all things. You mean I had to give thanks while I'm in it? Yeah. And now it's over and I hated it? Yeah, you hated it. And now I'm supposed to give thanks for it? <laughs> You're killing me. No, that's what the Bible says. You know why we can't be thankful? Because many times we can only be thankful for the wins, the hits, the home runs, the walks, the salaries, the presents the gifts, the goodness, the grace, and the mercy. In everything and for everything. Simple message this morning, but a difficult one. This morning we enter a time that will come and go called Thanksgiving. I wonder as Elizabeth comes to play something on the organ this morning, if you would be willing just for a few moments to say, Thank you, Lord, for the loss.